Okay, three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. Thank you so very much for tuning in. Um, Man, I hope everybody's doing well. I it, it's, it's insane right now. I don't know. The world is kind of... Uh, times are crazy. Uh, my girlfriend's company got shut down. I just took the day with her. Uh, we went through a Frisbee a little bit. We watched uh, Rick and Morty. What a show. I've never... You know, we started watching Rick and Morty about a couple weeks ago. Oh my, if you've never watched Rick and Morty, uh, it's a phenomenal, it's like one of my, it's like honestly very quickly one of my favorite shows of all time. It's really, really great. Had some cherry vanilla Coke today. It's exactly what you think. It's cherry, it's vanilla, it's amazing. Um, I, ho- I just, I, you know, the world, again, a lot of stuff's going on and I, I know that like there are times even me, like sports are my favorite thing in the entire world and I'm even like sports right now, but I, look, I, for me, it's a nice distraction from everything going on, and so I hope it can be the same for you today. We got a lot of stuff to talk about. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna do Ask Zach. We're gonna talk about uh, a lot of the stuff happening in the NFL, and um, I just hope that today's episode can be kind of a break from all the craziness going on. I want to start today with this: um, the Jaguars have traded quarterback Nick Foles to the Chicago Bears, and uh, they get the Bears got a what are they? Excuse, excuse me. The Bears gave the Jaguars. A 2024th round pick for Nick Foles. And remember last offseason when the Jaguars gave Nick Foles a gigantic four-year, $88 million contract? It's interesting, man. They already moved on. They're already like, hey, Nick Foles, it didn't work. We're going to commit to Gardner Minshew. On we go. And uh, I want to start by talking about Nick Foles and the Bears and that trade for them. Uh, Nick Foles is 31 years old. Remember, he's a former Super Bowl MVP. And uh, the Bears are going to be paying him just over 20 million dollars this year five million dollars for a roster bonus and then the 15 million dollars for his uh, annual salary and um Nick Foles is not a perfect quarterback he's got some flaws but I will say Nick Foles is a better quarterback than Mitchell Trubisky the current quote-unquote current starting quarterback in Chicago uh and, and Trubisky struggles with very simple throws he struggles with regular old execution at the very least, I believe Nick Foles can be better than Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, the current belief is that Trubisky is going to start the year, and we will see what happens. Uh, but I, I personally would love to see. I got a thing in my eye. What's going on? I, I, I personally would believe that um, at some point down the road, either Nick Foles is going to play or beat out Trubisky permanently in Chicago. Um, I think a lot of people are wondering, well, why why Nick Foles? If you were going to move on from Trubisky, a lot of people are like, well. If the Bears were ready to be done with their current quarterback, Mitchell Trubisky, they could have got so many other quarterbacks to bring in and compete with Mitch and maybe replace Mitchell in the long term. But you have to remember, this is not just some random quarterback they brought in. Matt Nagy, the head coach of the Bears, and Nick Foles have a history together. In fact, they have a really good relationship. Matt Nagy and Nick Foles worked together years ago in Philadelphia, then later in Kansas City with the Chiefs under Andy Reid. And again, currently, Trubisky's the starting quarterback in Chicago. But that could very, very possibly change throughout the course of the year. But I got to say, here's my big fear. If I have one concern relating to Nick Foles, it's this. I think Nick Foles is a good quarterback. I hope he succeeds. But I will say, how hungry is Nick Foles? How badly 
does he want it? I know that's a cliche, silly thing, but look at the messaging that Nick Foles has put out ever since he became a Super Bowl MVP in 2018. It seems like he's been coasting. It seems like he's been kind of just going, hey, things are good. They work out the way they work out. Um, I don't know. He comes across to me, whether this is fair or not, the perception, the messaging Nick Foles has put out in interviews and uh, press releases, all everything he's said for the last couple of years, he's come across as very passive, very much like, eh, it's fine. We'll see what happens. He doesn't seem like a guy who has the head to the ground, has his head down, working, trying to win a job. I, I wonder, will, will Nick Foles do the work? Will he grind to become the starting quarterback in Chicago? I honestly have no idea. Now, I, full disclosure, man, I really would love, I, I hope, if, if there's one thing I hope happens, I hope that Nick Foles becomes the starting quarterback in Chicago, and I hope he's phenomenal. I, I really do. Uh, number one, I love the story of Nick Foles. I got to say, to be a backup quarterback, then leading your team to winning a Super Bowl, becoming the Super Bowl MVP, it's an incredible story. Um, and I, I would have liked to see him work out in Jacksonville. However, it happened that my one of my favorite quarterbacks in the NFL, Gardner Minshew, who I loved in college, loved coming out of college, I met him in college. Of course, if anybody was going to beat out Nick Foles, it was going to be Gardner Minshew, and I thought that was awesome. But I would love to see a redemption story for Nick Foles to come into Chicago, come off the bench, become the guy they need. And here's the number two reason why I would love to see Nick Foles succeed in Chicago. Man, the Bears have had really awful quarterback play recently. They deserve a better quarterback than Mitchell Trubisky. That might make you mad. It's just the truth. And man, let me tell you, imagine if the Bears can become a team with a good quarterback. If Nick Foles really does become the answer in Chicago, think about what's going to happen in the NFC North. You have the Packers and the Vikings who are both very good football teams. The Lions are trying. <laughs> they're, they're, people, the Lions are better than people realize. I will say that. And the Bears just need a quarterback. They have a scary defensive line. I like their head coach. Despite everybody hates Matt Nagy, I think a lot of the fault needs to go on Mitchell Trubisky. You can call the right plays, and if your quarterback doesn't execute, the guy's wrong. I think the Bears are just a quarterback away from having a lot of success. And man, I would love to see Nick Foles be that guy. I don't know if that's going to happen. I am not certain that Nick Foles will be the guy. But I hope he steps up. If he does, if Nick Foles steps up and becomes the guy the Bears need, I would be, oh, I would be so happy. That would make me thrilled. But I will say we are a long way to go from that. Right now, the current starting quarterback in Chicago is Mitchell Trubisky. But don't write off Nick Foles. A lot of people are going to say, ah, he's a backup. He's bringing, no, no, no. No, Nick Foles has a relationship with the head coach. They've worked together for years. There's a lot of respect there. I, I would not write off Nick Foles immediately. The Bears, no matter what they say, no matter how many times they verbally tell you we're committed to Mitchell Trubisky, well, they wouldn't make the move if they were really that certain that Mitchell Trubisky is the right guy long-term. Keep in mind, Nick Foles at some point, I believe will get an opportunity. I just hope he makes the most of it the same way he did in Philadelphia behind Carson Wentz. Let's talk about the Jaguars' side of the trade. 
the Jacksonville Jaguars have committed to Gardner Minshew as their quarterback. Oh, man. Sweeter words have never been spoken. That makes me so happy. Uh, so number one, you, you have to be very honest about the Jaguars next year. The Jacksonville Jaguars are not going to be an incredibly good football team next year. It's just the, the reality. But I will say the Jaguars did 100% absolutely the right thing by committing to Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew is a better quarterback than Nick Foles. I did a whole film analysis about it. If you want to go look it up, you can find it. If you're watching on YouTube, I'm going to put a link uh, in the, in the what do you call it, the comment section below, a link to the video. Basically, Gardner Minshew is very accurate. He's not perfect, but he makes really good decisions. Uh, he can run around and extend plays. I really love that side of his game. It really helped the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then the number one thing you cannot discount about Gardner Minshew, he's a galvanizing leader. He rallies the troops. He rallies the people around him. He had a couple wins at the end of last year that I went, man, he's just bringing his team from behind. He's electrifying the people around him. He's encouraging people. He's high-fiving people. He's lifting up the people around him. Gardner Minshew is a special quarterback. He's the right guy to build around in Jacksonville. And I honestly believe that if Gardner Minshew was not named the starting quarterback, I mean, it's been a tumultuous offseason for the Jacksonville Jaguars. If they didn't make Gardner Minshew the quarterback, I'm pretty sure the locker room would have thrown a mutiny. They would have been so frustrated. They want Gardner Minshew. They love him there. And yeah, look, you have to acknowledge the fans... The Jaguars fan base loves their quarterback, Gardner Minshew. The, 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 what do they call it? The Mississippi mustache. They love it. He's a big star. But here's the real important factor in Gardner Minshew becoming the guy in Jacksonville. It's this. Gardner Minshew is super cheap. Gardner Minshew costs almost nothing to be a starting quarterback. The Jaguars, man, it's a, it's a bargain for competent quarterback play. And for a starting quarterback, I'm pretty sure Gardner Minshew is the cheapest option in the entire NFL. In the next three years, for the next three years, every single year, the Jaguars are going to be paying Gardner Minshew less than $1 million a year for the next three years. Meanwhile, you got to recognize Jared Goff in L.A. with the Rams. Jared Goff is making $36 million a year. Dak Prescott... million next year. Ryan Tannehill is going to make $22.5 million this year. $29.5 million next year. And this upcoming year, this next year, the Jaguars are still going to have to pay Nick Foles a little bit of money, $18 million against their salary cap. But then after this year, the Jaguars are completely free of Nick Foles. Which means that by next offseason, the Jaguars are not going to be paying Nick Foles anything. And by cutting Nick Foles now, by getting rid of him now, by trading him away now, the Jaguars have freed up $35 million of salary cap space for the next two seasons after this year. And you gotta, you got to acknowledge this. This is so important. Having Gardner Minshew on a really cheap contract to be your starting quarterback gives the Jaguars a really brief window coming up after this year where they can pay their starting quarterback basically nothing, and the Jaguars had better capitalize on that situation. Some teams do it. Some teams don't. You know, 
you have an opportunity. When your quarterback is on a rookie contract making very little money, you have an opportunity to use a ton of your salary cap space you're not using on your quarterback to invest in having a really good roster built around your quarterback. The Eagles did it with Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz was on a rookie contract. The Eagles brought in all kinds of people, spent a ton of money, won a Super Bowl. Now, Carson Wentz wasn't the guy that won that Super Bowl. Uh, Nick Foles came off the bench when Carson Wentz got hurt, but Carson Wentz would have been the MVP that year had he not gotten hurt. The Rams got to a Super Bowl with a great, incredible roster, paying guys all kinds of money. Why were they able to do that? Because Jared Goff was on a rookie contract. Oh, However, the Cowboys were unable to capitalize. They had four years of Dak Prescott making basically nothing. And the Dallas Cowboys were not able to capitalize on the fact that their quarterback had a really low contract. They couldn't build a good enough roster around him to take him to a Super Bowl. That's a big deal. People all the time say, Dak Prescott deserves a ton of money because, well, look at what Carson Wentz is getting paid. Look at what Jared Goff has been Getting paid. Yeah, uh, Jared Goff's team went to a Super Bowl. (laughs) And uh, Carson Wentz's team went to a Super Bowl. Dak Prescott's team has not. And you can blame whoever you want. It matters. Part of it is on the Cowboys. You have to acknowledge part of it is the fault of the Cowboys. They couldn't build a good enough team. Whether it's Dak's fault, whether it's ownership's fault, whether it's the coach's fault. The Cowboys could not take advantage of the brief window they had, the opportunity they had with a really cheap quarterback to go to a Super Bowl. But I am so, so curious. Can the Jacksonville Jaguars take advantage of their situation where they're going to be paying their starting quarterback, Gardner Minshew, next to nothing for the next three seasons? Can they spend money on other positions and build a great team around their quarterback in that time, take advantage of that cheap contract, and try to make a push at a Super Bowl. Right now, the Jaguars are at the bottom of the barrel. They they could not be in a worse situation. They have Gardner Minshew, and that's basically it. I mean, they've been trading away people. It seems like there's a lot of turmoil in the Jaguars' franchise, period. Now, I like their ownership. I like Shad Khan, their owner. I love their quarterback, Gardner Minshew. But we do have to all acknowledge there's a window, brief window here of the next three years where the Jaguars have an opportunity to build a really good team around a cheap quarterback, Gardner Minshew. Will they do it? Will they not? That's what I cannot wait to see in the next couple of years from the Jacksonville Jaguars. All right. Um, Phillip Rivers is signing a one-year $25 million deal to be the, co- uh, the quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts. And oh man, um, I, I personally am, I could not be rooting more for Phillip Rivers. I've never been a massive Phillip Rivers fan. I've been kind of, I just like, hey, he's fine, right? He's played for 16 years in the NFL. He's played for the Chargers his entire career. He's never done much anything noteworthy. He's always been like, oh yeah, Phillip, that good quarterback over there in the, the corner of the country. Like, cool, whatever. Don't ever hear about him that much. And, and my kind of opinion of Philip Rivers, he's kind of along the same lines of uh, a Carson Palmer. Carson Palmer played for years in Cincinnati, 
and never got to a Super Bowl. He played in, for Cincinnati. He finally got out of Cincinnati, tried to have a better opportunity. He went to the Arizona Cardinals. The end of his career with the Arizona Cardinals, he finally had a little bit of success. The success we'd always waited for. And I wonder, can Phillip Rivers do a similar thing? He's 38 years old. He's played for 16 years in the NFL. 27 comebacks, 32 game-winning drives in his career. And it was really cool. What happened with the Colts, the Colts traded their first-round draft pick in 2020, the 13th overall pick. They traded that away to trade for DeForest Buckner from the 49ers, a great defensive lineman. And so the Colts found themselves going, you know, we, we had this great deal. We took it. We didn't bring in a quarterback. Because the, the rumor was maybe the Colts are going to draft a quarterback in the first round of the NFL draft. Well, now the Colts don't have a first-round pick. And the reality is the Colts, I believe, decided. They looked in the mirror and said, look, our roster is ready. We're so good. We have so much talent all over the field. But we're a quarterback away. The Colts said, we have a great team. We just need the right quarterback. If we can bring in the right quarterback... We believe we can win a Super Bowl, and I totally agree with that line of thinking. Um, I think they're doing the right thing. If the Colts had found a way to draft, say, Justin Herbert, for example, from Oregon, would have been cool, would have been great, good for Justin Herbert. They would have probably done well. But I don't think Justin Herbert could take them to a Super Bowl in year one. It's pretty rare that kind of thing happens. No, the Colts needed experience. Now, the question is, is Phillip Rivers the right guy? to bring Indianapolis to a Super Bowl. I'm not sure. I, I will be, look, between you and me, I, I will be honest. I, I'm i not sure. Uh, again, he's 38 years old. He had bad statistics last year, but I don't really trust statistics a lot. It's pretty easy to manipulate them and misinterpret them. I'm coming out with a film analysis next week of, um, well, I'm doing one on, right after I finish this video, I have one more podcast prepared to go. And then I'm going to go dark for like a couple days because I'm working on a Philip Rivers film analysis and a Tom Brady film analysis. I want to get those out as soon as I possibly can. There's this episode of the podcast, another one I have planned, and then the next thing you'll next time you hear from me after those two podcasts will be a film analysis on Tom Brady and Philip Rivers because I really want to do one for each of them and break down their play. So right now I, I can't tell you is Philip Rivers the guy or not, but what I can say is I hope he is. Think about this. The Colts roster is loaded. They have so many good players on their roster. They have Darius Leonard at linebacker. They have DeForest Buckner at defensive tackle. Justin Houston at defensive end. A great defensive line, period. T.Y. Hilton at receiver. Jack Doyle at tight end. Marlon Mack at running back. A great offensive line. One of the best in the entire NFL. Frank Reich, a head coach I like. The Colts are only a quarterback away from massive, massive success. This is why it was so disappointing when Andrew Luck decided to retire and walk away from football. I was like, man, the Colts are ready for a Super Bowl last year. And then, oh, oh Andrew Luck retired. It's like, oh, what a missed opportunity. And now what's crazy, oh, the Colts are even better now than they were going into last year. They have DeForest Buckner now, an even better defensive line. A year more mature offensive line. So many good players all over the field. I, I think the AFC South, that division, the AFC South, I don't trust the Texans. I don't trust Bill O'Brien. Uh, the Jaguars are a mess. They're out of it. 
The AFC South is going to come down to either the Tennessee Titans or the Indianapolis Colts. And I, I'm telling you, I I hope, I, I don't really believe because I don't, I just haven't seen the film yet and I have to acknowledge that, but I didn't want to not talk about what happened to Philip Rivers. Philip Rivers did sign and my immediate reaction was, I don't know if he's the right guy. We have to see what the film says first. But I will say, I hope he is. I hope that Philip Rivers is the right guy in Indianapolis. He's a tough quarterback. He's really fun to listen to, mic'd up. He's a really competitive guy. And I hope he has a good ending to his career. Think about it. Like, we have Tom Brady, we have Drew Brees. They've both won Super Bowls. Philip Rivers hasn't gotten one. And I think it would be a cool story if Philip Rivers ended his career winning a Super Bowl with the Indianapolis Colts, Peyton Manning's team. A team that, you know, the Colts and the Chargers had battles between Peyton Manning, between Philip Rivers, head to head. I would love to see Philip Rivers go to Indianapolis and win a Super Bowl with that franchise. I don't know, man. I think that would be a cool end to his career, and he would get some redemption for guys like Carson Palmer, for good quarterbacks who have never quite won it. Dan Marino never won a Super Bowl. Never did. Tony Romo never won a Super Bowl. Good quarterback. Legacy is not quite the right because he never won a big game. Carson Palmer, I think, was a really great quarterback who will always be underappreciated because he never won a Super Bowl. Can Phillip Rivers change his legacy from a really good quarterback to a guy that, man, he finished on top and won a Super Bowl? It would be really, really cool to see that. I, that's the, I believe the thinking for the Colts is we believe our team's good enough to win a Super Bowl. We believe Philip Rivers is the guy. I got to make my own decision. I'll watch film, see what I think. But I, I mean, that story would be so cool. I hope. I don't know yet, but I hope that Philip Rivers is the guy that can lead the Indianapolis Colts to a Super Bowl. I think that'd be so cool. It's a beautiful story, and I hope it happens. Okay, uh, the Denver Broncos cut quarterback Joe Flacco. Uh, they signed him just last offseason. They decided we're done. We're going to get rid of him. Joe Flacco got hurt. Uh, last year, he got replaced by rookie quarterback Joe Flacco. And now Drew Locke is the guy in Denver. So I don't have a ton to say about Joe Flacco. I will say, you know, people are trying to speculate, what's next for Joe Flacco? Is he going to, you know, go to wh- what team? People are, really, the discussion has become, what team do you think Joe Flacco is going to go to next? And I, honestly, I don't know that Joe Flacco wants to play more football. I don't think so. Remember, a couple years ago, he won a Super Bowl MVP. He was literally at the pinnacle of the mountain. And he has not been the same ever since. There's a racer, James Hunt. In 1976, James Hunt won the Formula One World Championship. And after doing that, James Hunt was satisfied. He's like, look, I I did enough. I proved to myself I could do it. And after doing that... He was rich, he was loaded, said, I'm, I'm kind of done. And his love, his drive was gone. And I think we saw a similar thing happen with Joe Flacco after winning a Super Bowl at the Baltimore Ravens. He was never quite the same, never quite as motivated. He signed a, a massive contract. I, I believe that Joe Flacco is just going to retire. I don't think he has enough passion to keep playing football, and especially to be a backup quarterback. Joe Flacco's not going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Now, maybe the Patriots pick him up. That'd be crazy and weird. I think it's a lot better the Patriots can do than bring in Joe Flacco. 
But my problem with Joe Flacco, what I've seen from him the last couple of years is a quarterback who's unmotivated, who's fine, who's not really, in, he's just not, there's not a lot of drive behind him. I just haven't seen it. And Joe Flacco doesn't need to be a backup in the NFL. He's got millions and millions and millions of dollars. He's set for life. You want to go take hits? Your knees are tired. It's Practice is hot. It's a big bother to play football, honestly. Like, I played. I played in college. And in fact, I, I played in college. My brother died. I stopped playing, and I tried to go back. And when you go back, you're like, man, my knees hurt. I'm tired. I'm old. And I just have other options. You know, when Strong Opinion Sports took off, I had this podcast that was just getting a ton of listeners, and I was making a little bit of money, and I was like, football, school, college? Like, that's a bother. I don't want to do that. And I think Joe Flacco's in a similar place where he's like, look, I just, my options are better. I'm tired. My body hurts. I don't have the same passion. And I think that's what happened with Joe Flacco. I would be surprised if Joe Flacco went anywhere to play in the NFL again. I just don't think Joe Flacco has the desire to play anymore. And I think he's going to retire, honestly. Now the Rams, the Rams have cut running back Todd Gurley. Now the reason why the Rams cut him now was because they didn't want to have to pay him a $10.5 million roster bonus. They literally, I believe, cut him hours before he would have gotten the bonus. And it's interesting, man. Remember, like a couple of years ago, when Tom Brady won the MVP of the league, Right behind him was Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley was almost the NFL MVP a couple of years ago. But then he got hurt. And Todd Gurley has not been the same quarter, the same running back since he got hurt. He hurt his knee. And he just hasn't been as explosive as he was before. He just he doesn't have the same power and the same explosiveness. Todd Gurley's 25 years old. He'll be 26 years old in August. He's been in the NFL for five years. He's run for 5,404 yards, 58 touchdowns, and he's also known for his ability to catch passes out of the backfield. He's got another 2,090 yards receiving, another 12 receiving touchdowns, and it does make sense to me that the Rams cut him. The Rams owed him a massive amount of money. They said, look, your return on investment's too low. We're not going to pay you. We don't want to have you here. I think Todd Gurley's not useless to an NFL team. But he certainly was massively overpaid by the L.A. Rams. Now, the Rams gave up on Todd Gurley. I think a lot of it was, again, it's not that the Rams think Todd Gurley's a bum. I think more of it is that the Rams don't think he's worth what he was going to get paid by them. And they couldn't keep him. They couldn't just restructure his contract. He wasn't going to agree to make less money. They had to just cut him. But I will say, even though I don't think Todd Gurley, I'm not convinced he's a number one running back. In the NFL, I do believe that Todd Gurley could go somewhere and contribute to an NFL roster. So the question is, where would Todd Gurley go? Where could he go? Where should he go? There are two teams I want to see Todd Gurley go to. Either team would make me happy. The the first team that comes to mind, in no order, either team would work. One of those teams is the Buffalo Bills. I think it'd be great to watch. Todd Gurley paired up with the number one running back in Buffalo, Devin Singletary. I mean, the Bills are making a push. They're probably going to win their division this year. They have Josh Allen. They got a great defense. They got Stephon Diggs. They they have weapons. They are really making a push to have playoff success. And uh, I think the Bills would be an interesting fit for Todd Gurley. 
The other option, honestly, if if I had to pick one team for Todd Gurley to go to, here's the one. I think it's best for the game of football. I think it's best for Todd Gurley. And I think it's best for a quarterback I love. I love Tom Brady. I just, like, you either love him or you hate him. I, I tend to love him. Uh, and I think I think Todd Gurley could help the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in their quest for a Super Bowl. I really do. Uh, the Buccaneers have a ton of cash. They could pay him less than... The, the, the Buccaneers don't need to overpay Todd Gurley because I think Todd Gurley would have the self-awareness to go, hey, I'll take whatever the Buccaneers give me because I get to play with Tom Brady and I get to chase a ring. I get to go after a Super Bowl with Tom Brady to contribute, to help. I think that'd be awesome. Um, Todd Gurley, I think, would want to join the Buccaneers and I think Tom Brady would love to have Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley... He might not work out. Todd Gurley might be just completely washed up. I have no idea. Now, the other option, though, the, what, what if Todd Gurley surprised everybody? He injured his knee two years ago. What if he comes back this year just better than ever? Now, probably not, because if he really was going to come back better than ever, my guess is the Rams would have kept him. So it sounds like he's a risk. To his, he, clearly, the Rams didn't trust him and didn't believe in him. But I do think Todd Gurley probably can contribute somewhere in the NFL. And if there was a team I could pick for him to do that on, it would be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, how sad is this that, I mean, this really, Todd Gurley is an example of how fleeting the running back position is in the NFL. This is why, you know, the fact that Adrian Peterson is still in the NFL, still getting paid, still getting yards, is unbelievable. It's just unbelievable. Because Todd Gurley's 25 years old and got cut. Got cut. Derrick Henry's the best running back in the NFL. And the Titans, the Tennessee Titans, after watching him destroy everybody in the playoffs, literally carry three men at a time downfield before they could bring him down. I saw Derrick Henry in the NFL playoffs carrying men downfield on his back running for extra yards. Derrick Henry is in the prime of his career. He's 26 years old. And he just turned 26. Derrick Henry turned 26 in January. And the Titans still didn't want to give Derrick Henry a long-term contract. They said it's not worth the value. The NFL right now doesn't, other than Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien's an idiot. Bill O'Brien traded DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson, a running back. I will never understand that. Other than Bill O'Brien, who's an outlier, who I think is doing his own thing in his own world, the other 31 teams in the NFL do not value the running back position. They don't trust it. They believe it's an easily replaceable position. They really, here's how the NFL works right now. The best, right, this is not necessarily right or politically correct, but here's what the NFL does. They go, oh, we'll bring in a rookie running back. He'll get the crap beat out of him for three years. His rookie contract will be up. We're not going to re- pay him more money. We're not going to resign him after the guy's Rookie contract is up. Let the guy walk away. That is how the running back position in the NFL works right now because people do not trust the longevity of the running back position. And, you know, Todd Gurley, sadly, is a prime example of that. All right. uh, The Detroit Lions have traded Darius Slay, a corner, to the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, the Eagles get Darius Slay. And the Lions get a 2023rd round pick and a 2025th round pick in the NFL draft. It's really interesting 
the Lions had to trade Darius Slay, even if they didn't want to. There was an incident in 2018 where Darius Slay felt disrespected by the Lions head coach, Matt Patricia. And it sounds to me like after this incident, Darius Slay just gave up on having any kind of relationship with Matt Patricia. And I will say this is an odd scenario because normally I would just blast Matt Patricia. I would just normally I'd say that's on the coach. The coach has to do a better job cultivating relationship, have better people skills. The coach is the problem here. Normally I would blame and go after the coach, honestly. But this is a a rare situation where it's tough to tell, honestly, who's at fault. Uh, It seems like just one of those situations where, look, again, I don't know. But what it appears to me is a situation where Matt Patricia and Darius Slay, their personalities just did not mesh. They didn't work well together. And, um, you know, it's sad, but the Lions lost a good player on defense. But they had to get rid of him. The Lions had to trade away Darius Slay. He didn't want to be there. He didn't work with the head coach. And uh, it was time for him to go. And the Lions had a hard time getting good offers for Darius Slay because the issues they had with him were so public. I mean, people knew Darius Slay wants out of here. And he's an older veteran player. And everybody knew when a guy wants out, it's hard for a team to get leverage. Like, dude, we know you want to trade him. We know you can't keep him. If, you, if, the, Lions, if the Detroit Lions get on the phone and say, hey, do you want Darius Slay? The other team, on the, let's say the Giants answer the phone and say, hey, we'll trade you for Darius Slay, but we're not going to give you what you're offering because... We know you got to trade him. We know you, the Detroit Lions, cannot keep him because he's no value to you. He doesn't want to play for you. So the Lions really, really struggled to have leverage in this trade. In the end, the Eagles got Darius Slay again for a third-round pick and a second and a fifth-round pick. And man, it was a, a third-round pick again and a fifth-round pick. This was a great move by the Philadelphia Eagles. They got a good starting corner. He's a bit of a loudmouth, but he's a great cover corner. He can cover a lot of guys in the NFL. And Darius Slay is a way better player than you could bring in in the fifth round or the third round next year. Darius Slay is a starter. He'll contribute right away. He'll have a big impact on the Eagles. And they they gave him a contract right out of the gate. The the Eagles said, we're going to re-sign Darius Slay. They gave him a three-year, $50 million contract, $30 million guaranteed. Darius Slay is 29 years old. The Eagles' defense got better. Good move by them. Uh, It's just unfortunate for the Lions. Again, a lot of people want to hate the Lions. They're mad at Matt Patricia. Normally, I would agree. Like 9.9 out of 10 times, I'd say, Matt Patricia, you're an idiot. How could you not do better? Blah, blah, blah. Um, I think this is one of those opportunities. Have you ever had a, a moment where... You just have a bad first impression with someone or you have a moment where you just rub someone the wrong way and you don't mean to. And then after that, they always hold it against you. That's what it appears like happened with Matt Patricia and Darius Slay. Their personalities didn't mesh. Darius Slay never really wanted to have a relationship with him anyways because of that incident. And uh, I guess, you know, he called him out in a meeting or something and just just embarrassed him and made him angry. And I, I, I it's tough, man. I just, I don't know that, um, I just don't know that it was the right... I don't know that Matt Patricia is the worst, biggest idiot of all time. I don't think Matt Patricia... Matt Patricia has shown some problems with judgment with... Uh, he wore a dumb shirt at one point. This is now a second incident, but 
I don't think Matt Patricia is a bad, horrible guy. Uh, this seems like an isolated incident and just an unfortunate incident. Now, if it becomes a pattern, if a bunch of players start coming out saying Matt Patricia is awful to us, hey, then I will, you know, I'll say, hey, I, looks like I was wrong here. Darius Slay was right to be frustrated with Matt Patricia. And maybe he was in that situation. I don't know. Again, it's hard to tell. But this is the one kind of situation where I'm like, this is fuzzy. I don't know whether to blame Patricia or just say it was an unfortunate situation. And so that's where I fall. I feel bad for the Lions. They had to trade him. But good on the Eagles, man. They got a great corner. And uh, their defense got a lot better. Time to drink some water. Oh, man, I'm excited for this next topic. Um, <clears throat> the NFL free agency period has been really, really crazy. A lot of stuff has happened. And uh, just looking around at what's gone on and what the player movement got my mind thinking. And I came up with a bunch of great storylines for next year. I'm already excited to watch play out during the 2020 NFL season. So number one, I want to talk about this. Who is going to win the AFC East? It feels like the division's up for grabs. I mean, it's been dominated by the New England Patriots for years and years. Well, they're down and out. They lost Tom Brady. They lost some key defenders. Now, the Bills should be the favorite in the AFC East to win their division. The Dolphins, I think, are the dark horse. They've really gotten better. I like their head coach, Brian Flores. I have no idea what their quarterback situation is going to look like next year, this upcoming year. Now, the Jets are interesting, too. They have year two with Adam Gase, year three with Sam Darnold, the young quarterback. And uh, I, I, because I just, I'm, I don't believe in Adam Gase, honestly. Like, I think the Bills are a better team. I think the Jaguars might be a better team than the Jets. Um, but again, who is going to win the AFC East? I have no idea. It should be fun. Number two, we have Drew Brees versus Tom Brady. They now play in the same division, the NFC South. Oh my goodness, it's going to be unbelievable. Tom Brady and Drew Brees are going to play each other twice, at the very least. Two times next year, maybe more. Maybe they play each other in the playoffs again. My dream scenario in the NFL playoffs is to have Drew Brees and the Saints play Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the NFC Championship game to get into the Super Bowl. Oh, it would be amazing to see that happen. Um, Now, I also got to say, I cannot wait to watch the Arizona Cardinals next year. Number three, they have Kyler Murray. He's, you know, he won NFL Rookie of the Year last year. He's entering year two of his career. They have a bunch of weapons. They, they just added DeAndre Hopkins. I am really fascinated with the Arizona Cardinals. I think they're on the rise, and they could be sneakily good next year. Number four, I'm excited to watch the Bears quarterback battle play out. It's going to be between Nick Foles and Mitchell Trubisky. And I, I, I hate, I just, Mitchell Trubisky has become, you know, for a while, a long time, I hated watching Blake Bortles play quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I thought Blake Bortles was the epitome of terrible quarterback play. It just drove me nuts. Right now, that guy for me is Mitchell Trubisky. I hate watching him. He's awful. And I'm just begging, hoping, please can Nick Foles become the guy the Bears need. They just need a good quarterback. And I would so badly, so hopefully we'll want to see the Bears succeed with a better quarterback. Number five, I want to watch the Denver Broncos. They have year two with their young quarterback, Drew Locke. Uh, they, I, I love him. They're off of the line. is getting better. They're investing a little bit in their team. The Broncos are not going to win a Super Bowl next year, nothing like that. But I just, I, I'm a nerd about the nerdy nuances of playing the quarterback position. And the Broncos, I think, are going to be a little bit better as a team. 
year two of a young quarterback. I want to watch their team develop and grow. I think it'll be really, really fun to watch the Broncos improve and make strides forward next year. Now, number six, the Colts have a great roster. They just need a quarterback. Now, they added Phillip Rivers. The the thing I cannot wait to see is Phillip Rivers the guy to lead the Indianapolis Colts to a Super Bowl. Is he the right guy? I hope so, man. I want Philip Rivers to have a good end to his career. I've never cared or rooted for Philip Rivers in my entire life. But the more I sit around and think about it, I go, okay, Aaron Rodgers has a Super Bowl. Big Ben has a Super Bowl. Russell Wilson has a Super Bowl. Tom Brady has a Super Bowl. Drew Brees has a Super Bowl. Now, Patrick Mahomes has a Super Bowl. But all the older guys, forget Patrick Mahomes, forget Russell Wilson, all the older guys that are about to retire, they all have rings, except for Philip Rivers. And how cool would it be if Philip Rivers ended his career winning a Super Bowl with the Indianapolis Colts? I just couldn't hate on that. I think it'd be really, really fun and really, really interesting. Now, number seven, Dak Prescott was given the franchise tag by the Dallas Cowboys. And um, it's essentially a one-year prove-it deal. Can the Cowboys quarterback take a big step forward and prove that he deserves a long-term contract? I cannot wait to watch that unfold in Dallas. Uh, I'm not very hopeful. I will be honest. I don't know that Dak Prescott has what it takes to earn a long-term deal in the NFL. I just don't. Number eight, I cannot wait to watch the Vegas Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders. How fun is that? They're getting a new stadium. I love their head coach, John Gruden. And then you got a quarterback controversy. Oh, my goodness. You have Marcus Mariota. You have Derek Carr going head-to-head. Who's going to win that battle? The Raiders, look, whether they're good or not is irrelevant. They're going to be fun and entertaining to watch because of all the storylines, because of the stadium, the coach, the quarterback battle. I am telling you, whether they're good or not, the Raiders are interesting, and that's something I love watching. I love watching interesting. Number nine, the Panthers signed at quarterback Teddy Bridgewater. They got him at a reasonable price, like $20 million a year. And the, really the only question I have with the Panthers, the Panthers are not going to be astronomically better next year. They have a new head coach, Matt Rule, a guy I love, by the way. I think it's a rebuilding year for the Panthers. But my number one question out of Carolina, out of Charlotte, Charlotte, North Carolina, I've learned. I've been, in, I've been investigating the Carolinas. I think I might move there, actually. Great internet over in the, the Carolinas, the coast over there. Um... Is Teddy Bridgewater a long-term plan at quarterback for the Carolina Panthers? Is he the guy long-term? Or is he just a placeholder until they can draft the right guy long-term? I don't know. That's what I'm excited to watch with the Panthers next year. How good is Teddy Bridgewater? Is he the long-term guy? Does he really have what it takes to be a franchise quarterback? Or is he just going to be a placeholder between... You know, Cam Newton and the next franchise guy in Carolina. Number 10, I cannot wait. Every year it's the same story with me with rookie quarterbacks. I love watching rookie quarterbacks. I Quarterback is my, people are like, you're talking about quarterbacks too much. Yeah, dude, I'm a quarterback analyst. I love the position of quarterback. It's my favorite thing in the world of sports. I love quarterbacks. I cannot wait to watch the rookie quarterbacks play this year. Tua Tungvaloa. Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, maybe Jacob Eason, maybe Jordan Love. I have no idea. Who's going to play first? Who's going to be the best quarterback right off the bat? Maybe someone else will step up. Somebody we don't expect. Maybe Justin 
what's the guy's name? Oh my gosh, Jake from <laughs> Jake from Jake from State Farm or uh, Jalen Hurts? Is he, I don't know which rookie quarterback will be the best next year. Who's going to step up and make a big play? I have no idea. But every year, one of my favorite things to watch in the NFL is watching the rookie quarterbacks develop and make plays, and uh, that'll be so much fun. Now, number 11, what's going to happen with the New York Giants? They have a whole new coaching staff from top to bottom. They have a guy, Joe Judge, who's never been head coach before. Offensive coordinator is Jason Garrett, the former Cowboys head coach. They got a second-year quarterback, Daniel Jones. I have no idea what's going to happen with the Giants. I just want to see you. This is going to be interesting. What does happen? I don't know. I'm very fascinated by the Giants uh, just to watch, like a science experiment. I want to see how they do. Who is going to win the NFC North? You got the Packers and the Vikings. They're both really good. The Bears will be great if, big if, if they can get a competent quarterback play. And I'm telling you, the Lions are a lot closer to success than people realize. The Lions are building something up there in Detroit. The NFC North is very much up for grabs. I'm excited to watch the NFC North play out next year. Number 13, will the Browns finally succeed. They're like the little engine that could my entire lifetime. They've been terrible. And I I have lost all hope, but I will say the Browns seem to have all the pieces they need. They have a ton of talent. They have a new head coach, Kevin Stefanski. They have a new general manager. I like their quarterback, Baker Mayfield. But also, oh, the Browns still have the same ownership. That's a problem. Will things finally change in Cleveland? I'm going to probably ask that question every single year of my life. But maybe this will be the year. I don't know. Maybe this is the year things change. Maybe this is the year the Browns finally make something happen. Another new coach, another new quarterback, another blah, blah, blah. A lot of change. The only thing that stays the same is ownership. That says a lot about a team. But maybe this is the year the Browns finally make progress and change. I have no idea. Number 14. Here's a really fascinating storyline in the NFL. Lamar Jackson just won the NFL MVP. And I, let me be very clear. I love Lamar Jackson. He's one of my favorite players in the entire NFL. I love his moxie. He's great in interviews. He seems like a, an outstanding dude, like a great person. But I do wonder, can Lamar Jackson maintain the success he's had? We saw in 2015, Cam Newton won the NFL MVP. Well, Cam Newton's about to get cut by the Carolina Panthers. He will not be their starting quarterback next year. Is Lamar Jackson Cam Newton? Is Cam, you know, Cam Newton fizzled out pretty quickly, got hurt, took a bunch of hits. Is Lamar Jackson going to get hurt, take a bunch of hits, and fizzle out quickly in the next couple of years? Is he going to fizzle out this year? Or will Cam, will, will Lamar Jackson, excuse me, will Lamar Jackson make his success sustainable, keep it going? I don't know. I hope, I hope so. For, for the sake of Lamar Jackson's an awesome dude, I'd love to see him succeed. But I don't know if he will. And will he be a long-term successful quarterback? We're going to find out this upcoming year. And uh, it'll be interesting to watch. Number 15, what will happen in the NFC West? You know, the 49ers have a Super Bowl hangover. Their quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, needs to improve. The Seahawks are fine. The Seattle Seahawks have a great quarterback, but an average roster. The Rams feel kind of lifeless. The Rams have one thing going for them this year. They got this new stadium. It's going to be awesome. But they're also paying their quarterback, Jared Goff, who's, I, I don't believe in Jared Goff. They're paying Jared Goff 36 
million dollars a year. Ugh, that's awful. But again, the new stadium is going to be great. And honestly, maybe the Arizona Cardinals in the NFC West, they could surprise everybody and steal the division right out from under everybody. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I think the few favorites for the division still have to be Seattle and the 49ers. But the dark horse is Arizona. The NFC West will be interesting. Now, number 16, the final storyline slash thing. I'm like, there's going to be more. If there are things I'm leaving out, please let me know. If there are things you're excited about for the NFL season next year, please tell me. I want to talk about them. I want to hear what you care about and talk about things you care about. Um, but number 16, the final thing I'm interested in. I've had this thing in my eye this entire podcast, and it is driving me nuts. I don't know what it is. It's like a sty. It's killing me. Um, the, the final thing I'm excited for for next year in the NFL season, as this thing just will not come out of my eye. It's just not moving at all. Like an eyelash. I don't know. Um I want to watch Patrick Mahomes next year. How well does he do? Patrick Mahomes is almost, he's so good, he's almost boring. Now, I said almost. He's not actually boring. Patrick Mahomes is a good enough quarterback. I'll sit down any day and watch him play. On his best day, on his worst day, he's phenomenal, super entertaining to watch. But Patrick Mahomes just won a Super Bowl. He also won Super Bowl MVP. How will he follow that up this year? I'm pretty sure Patrick Mahomes is going to dominate the league for the next 10 years. He's gone on a two-year tear of the NFL. But I, I, I don't know I don't know what the storyline is here yet, other than I'm just, I'm going to watch Patrick Mahomes. It's going to be fun. And I don't have a lot other than that, other than say, look, it's just going to be interesting to watch Mahomes and how he does, because he's always so fascinating. He's the face of the league, and you got to watch what he does this year. It's going to be fun. Those are, again, 16 NFL storylines. I cannot wait to see unfold next year in 2020. If there's anything I'm missing, please let me know. Tell me what you think I'm missing. I want to talk about stuff you care about. And I just want to learn. Like I feel this nagging feeling like there's something, something tragic I'm just missing that I don't haven't paid attention to. Let me know what that is, because I'm I'm all ears and I want to watch what happens uh, in the NFL next year. And I, I if there's anything I'm missing, please let me know. I think the Dolphins are gonna be fun to watch develop. I think Big Ben's coming back. Um, Carson Wentz, how does he do? There's, I mean, there's every team has some interesting angle to care about. Um, but please let me know what you care about for the 2020 NFL season. And it uh, should be fun. Can't wait to watch it next year. Assuming, oh, assuming, hoping it happens. If the NFL season doesn't happen, I mean, it's going to hurt the economy so bad. I, I honestly don't know what would happen. If, if we get to September and everyone's still quarantined in their houses, I don't think there's any way that's still happening. But it would just destroy America. I mean, it's America's already going to be really horribly uh, hurt by just having quarantines for a month, let alone if the NFL season doesn't happen. If we're still in that state in September, everybody's in trouble. All right, guys, I'm going to take a short break. When I return, as I say, something so dark. Uh, when I return, we're going to end the show with Ask Zach. It's going to be a great, 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 what do you call it, a segment of Ask Zach. A lot of good stuff. Uh, I'm going to take a short break. When I return, we'll do Ask Zach, and uh, I will be right back. All right, we are back. Um, it's time to start a war. Uh, it's not a war that I want to become a war, but I know that it's what's going to happen because uh, if you bring up Cam Newton, people just get very, very, very angry. I've never seen a player 
incite so much rage and anger the way that Cam Newton does. Cam Newton fans are irrational. They don't really want to hear facts. They just want to yell and be angry. Uh, The only thing you can do to make Cam Newton fans happy is say that Cam Newton is literally the best quarterback on the face of the planet. If you say anything other than that, other than Cam is amazing, if you dare do anything other than that, oh, man, you have the mobs coming after you, hating you, being angry at you. I've never seen a player more polarizing than Cam Newton. People just irrationally defend the guy over and over and over again. It's crazy to me. Um, but I will say, a lot of people keep saying that the Panthers were completely unfair to Cam Newton. Were they really unfair? Were they really disrespectful? The Panthers have not been disrespectful to Cam Newton. What the Panthers did was break up with Cam Newton. Look, a breakup is never pretty. A breakup is never clean or great. Uh, I got broken up with in December. It did happen. Now, did my ex-girlfriend disrespect me by breaking up with me? No. She did what was best for her. And, and honestly did what was best for me. Like, we were a bad fit, whatever. But my point is this. If you end a relationship with somebody, are you disrespecting them? No. I, I, it's, I, I, here's what the Panthers said. The Panthers made a release, press release that said, we have given Cam Newton permission to seek a trade. Is that a lie? Is that, is that awful? Is that, you know what that, people said that, here's why I called Cam Newton's reaction to that press release childish because Cam Newton, the Panthers say this, we have given Cam Newton permission to seek a trade. Facts, factual statement. Cam Newton responds, how dare you say this? How dare you blah, blah, blah. You're saying I'm requesting a trade. Don't spin things. Don't lie. The Panthers never said that Cam Newton was seeking a trade. All they said was, hey, Cam, if you want to get a trade, you can. We're going to tell the world publicly we are are allowing Cam Newton to seek another place of employment to play quarterback. You know what that, that statement did? That statement ended the relationship with Cam Newton. The Panthers said, Cam, we're breaking up with you. We brought in Teddy Bridgewater, and to make it extra clear, you're no longer our starting quarterback. That's harsh. That's not disrespectful. I, I just, like, this is why I'm telling you Cam Newton fans are irrational. They're, it's, it's wild to me. <laughs> That's, if, if, I, if I tell a girl, hey, um, we're breaking up, and she goes, how could you spin things? How could you say I wanted this? How could you be so disrespectful? Like, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying we're no longer in a relationship anymore. So I, I just, I, I fundamentally disagree. I made a video about it saying uh, Cam Newton sounded childish because I think he was. The Panthers never said Cam wanted a trade. The Panthers never said Cam Newton is looking for a trade. All the Panthers said was, hey, we're done with Cam. And we've allowed him to have the opportunity. If he wants to, he can go try to get a trade. That's not disrespectful. That's not a lie. That's not spinning the truth. That's what actually happened. That's why when I think Cam Newton responded, stop saying all this awful stuff. The reason why I call that childish is because Cam Newton emotionally responded with anger and with I, I just a, a weird response. I just didn't, I didn't think was called for. I didn't think it was right. You know, if, if someone says, hey, we're breaking up with you, you know what you can respond with? Hey, thank you. You know, it was uh, it was what it was, and 
I'm not happy it's over, but hey, it's over. What you don't do is say, stop lying about the truth. Again, nobody ever said, the, the Panthers never said, Cam Newton wants to leave us. The Panthers said, we're done with Cam Newton. Not disrespectful, that's a end of a relationship. And I just go back to, oh, I'm going to say this over and over and over again. The people who keep saying, the Panthers disrespected Cam, I think don't understand how human interaction must work. Ending a relationship isn't necessarily, uh, breaking up with a girl, for example, is that disrespectful or is that, is that just doing the right thing for whatever? When you, when you end, the Panthers said, we're done with Cam. It's not mean, that's just, maybe not pleasant, not great. Were they disrespectful? Were they awful to him? I, I just don't think so. Um, and uh, Cam Newton's been a guy who's been hurt for years. And the sad reality is that I think if, the, if Cam Newton had been healthy enough, if the Panthers had really believed that Cam Newton was going to be the same Cam Newton health-wise he was in 2015, I think the Panthers would have embraced Cam Newton. But my guess is the Panthers, the messaging they kept putting out was, we got to see where he is health-wise. We're not sure. And what it came down to it is they realized Cam isn't going to be the same health-wise as he was when he won an MVP. He's not the same quarterback anymore. And they said, we got to move on to Teddy Bridgewater. We got to build around Teddy Bridgewater and embrace Teddy Bridgewater. And uh, we, we don't want Cam in our building because it's going to be too controversial and cause too much of a problem. And the sad reality is Cam's emotional response saying, you know, lashing out on social media when he got fired by the Panthers just kind of proved their point. Yeah, we can't have Cam in our building anymore. He's going to cause problems if he's not the starting quarterback. He's going to cause problems behind Teddy Bridgewater, and we can't have that anymore. So um, to all the Panthers fans that are super, super angry, I I just... uh, I, I don't agree with you. I, I don't agree that the Panthers were disrespectful to Cam Newton. I have never said that before. I never thought I would say that. Um, I, 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 just don't, I just don't agree with you. Now, it's time for Ask Zach. Ask Zach is uh, a segment where what people do is can submit questions. And the way to submit questions for Ask Zach is you go to patreon.com forward slash Zach Shomler. You can give a dollar a month. That's only a dollar a month. Is There's 12 months. So if you pay $12 a year, you can submit questions for Ask Zach. That's how it works. Uh, You can pay more if you want. Please do. Patreon literally pays my rent. It makes a massive, massive impact in my life, especially at a time like this where, honestly, uh, I don't know what a dollar means to you. A dollar means a ton to me. It goes a long way. And, uh, like, there's not – I I will be honest. Any money you can give me really helps right now um, with everything. There's not a lot going on in the world. My views are way down. Everything's way down. Um, now I will say this. I do not guarantee to read your question on the show. The only thing I guarantee is I do guarantee. I look at every single question with my eyeballs and then I pick the questions I like the most and read them on the show. The first question today is from Daniel. Daniel writes in, he says, Hey Zach, what do you think of the trades and signings the Broncos have made so far? I love this. Uh, the Broncos have made four really significant moves. In my opinion, number one, they signed Interior lineman Graham Glasgow to a four-year, $44 million deal. It's a great move. It solidifies their offensive line. Plus, they're going to get Juwan James back, their tackle who was injured last year. Uh, the Broncos made their offensive line better with Graham Glasgow. Not to mention, you know, again, Juwan James is coming back. The Broncos' offensive line will be better next year than it was last year. I'm excited for that. 
Number two, the Broncos traded for former Pro Bowl corner A.J. Boye. All they had to do was give the Jaguars a fourth-round pick. This is a great move for the Broncos. Trading a fourth-round pick for a new starting corner. Really good move for them. Happy for the Broncos. Number three, the Broncos traded for defensive tackle Jarrell Casey. That's a, this is awesome. I really thought this was a, an underrated move around the NFL. Jarrell Casey is uh, a really good defensive tackle. He's 30 years old. And the reason why the Titans gave him up, the Titans were willing to trade to the Broncos for a seventh round pick. Basically, the Broncos gave up nothing for Jarrell Casey. And the reason why is the Titans wanted to get rid of his contract. Uh, he's going to make, it's over $11.5 million in 2020. Plus, he's 30. The Titans were like, we can't have your salary cap anymore. We just gave our quarterback a massive deal. Our running back is on the franchise tag. The Titans needed to lighten their load salary cap-wise. And as a result, the Broncos got a really good defensive tackle for the price of a seventh-round pick and then an $11.5 million hit to the salary cap. Uh, The Broncos got a great deal. He will work really well. The Broncos' defensive line now is awesome. Got Nick Chubb. Sorry, what? Nick Chubb's the running back. He's the brother. You have Bradley Chubb at defensive end. At the other end, you have Von Miller in the middle at interior defensive lineman. You have Jarrell Casey. Uh, I am so excited for the Broncos defensive line next year. It's going to be awesome. And then the fourth big significant move, it actually was two of them, is uh, the Broncos released quarterback Joe Flacco. Said, you're done. We're done with Joe Flacco. And then the Broncos signed quarterback Jeff Driscoll. I love this move so much. Uh, Not only is Jeff Driscoll obviously cheaper than Joe Flacco, he's also a lot less threatening of a backup to Drew Locke. Drew Locke is the Broncos' starting quarterback, and uh, with Jeff Driscoll as his backup, there's 100% no quarterback controversy in Denver. If Drew Locke has a bad game, nobody's going to go, why don't we go back to the other guy? You know, if Drew Flacco was sitting on the sideline making a ton of money, people would start to wonder if 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 Drew Lock had one bad game, they'd be like, "Well, should we go back to the veteran, you know, Joe Flacco?" Whether that would happen or not, I don't know if that's even a realistic scenario. Whether fans would go there or not, well, now it will not happen. There is no controversy. Drew Lock is without a shadow of a doubt the franchise quarterback. There will be no drama. It's great for them. And all in all, man, I love all the moves the Broncos made. Uh, they got better. The Broncos got better. They avoided drama. Uh, they lightened their salary cap. They added Jarrell Casey, I love. They added A.J. Boye. They added an offensive lineman. It's going to make their team better. The Broncos got better during the offseason free agency period, uh, at least so far in the move so far. And uh, I'm just happy for them. And the Broncos, I think, have a an interesting future. I love their young quarterback. And uh, I hope that you know the Broncos for the next couple of years are going to have Drew Locke on a, a rookie quarterback contract, meaning they're going to pay their quarterback very little, allowing a salary cap room to be paid to other positions. And so I hope that the Broncos can take advantage of that in the next couple of years and uh, spend money paying other, uh, other positions because their quarterback's going to be making less money on a rookie contract. Okay, Josh writes in. It's the second question of the day. Josh writes in. He says, Hey, Zach. Since it's plague season, pretty much every sport you can think of that plays during March has been suspended. The NBA, NHL, March Madness, etc. My focus, though, is on the NBA. If the NBA decides to finish the season, should they start where they left off in the regular season or should they jump straight into the playoffs? 
Um, here's my fear. If I, I could see the NBA jumping right into the playoffs, here's my fear. If that did happen, is that teams will not be ready to play. Like, what if what if the Lakers just need a week to play together to gel before they play a, a basketball game right away? And what if the Lakers or the Clippers or some really great team is booted from the playoffs because they just haven't gotten their legs back under them? Um, I would love for a one-month or like a three-week period of games in the NBA. Give us like a one-month NBA season, then jump into the playoffs. That'd be interesting to me. You know, plus you got to acknowledge other NBA franchises that didn't make the playoffs have to matter too. I mean, I'd like to see other teams get some games. The the New Orleans Pelicans have Zion Williamson. They have Alonzo Ball. They have Brandon Ingram. It'd be interesting. I want to watch the Pelicans play more. I want to watch the Blazers play more. I want to watch other teams that maybe aren't going to make the playoffs or right on the playoff hunt have a couple more games left to play. Now, yeah, if there is nothing else, if 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 it's if it's playoffs or nothing, I want to have the NBA playoffs happen. I mean, especially the NBA playoffs were going to be epic this year. I mean, you had LeBron James and the Lakers versus Kawhi and the Celtics, the battle for LA in the West. You had, I mean, you had the Thunder, the five seed in the West, led by Chris Paul and a bunch of young players, kind of surprising everybody. You have the Rockets had this weird dynamic where they're a really small team with very little height. You have James Harden, Russell Westbrook, but it was fun. The Mavs were led by Luka Doncic. Honestly, the West, I mean, not to mention. In the Western Conference, you have number 10, the number 10 seed right now. You have the New Orleans Pelicans, which is like, whoa, Zion, whoa. They're making a, they're really making strides. The Blazers are the number ninth seed. Both the Blazers and the Pelicans have an opportunity. They were, they were rising up the standings and maybe could have made the playoffs if the year hadn't come to a halt the way it did. And now the rumor is that uh, th- this is why I would like a month of games before going right into the playoffs because, again, the playoff race was just heating up. There were the teams at the bottom of the West were like, they were, it was just coming really close and getting really interesting. I would hate to see the Blazers season just over or the Pelican season just over with no opportunity for them to climb back up in the standings. Now, the rumor is if we had the NBA Finals in August, that would push the start of next year's NBA season to Christmas Day. And I would love if the new precedent in the NBA is that NBA season goes from Christmas Day until, uh, I don't know, end of summer. That'd be very awesome. I, w- I would love that. I, I would love that for the NBA. Uh, normally, the NBA starts in like October, I believe, and we just don't need that. I, I would prefer to push it back another two months, two or three months. And uh, if what we had in sports was the NFL from August to February, and right as the NFL is kind of winding down, and Christmas Day, the NBA started. So that all through the NFL playoffs, you had the NBA season. Then right as the Super Bowl ends, we hit the heart of the NBA season. Like, oh, that'd be awesome to have the NBA go from December all through summer. It'd be great. Half the year's NFL season. The other half of the year would be NBA season. That'd be great. I, would, I think it'd be really, really fun. And I'd love to see that. Now, there are also a ton of other storylines around the NBA uh, in you know the, the Eastern Conference playoffs as well. You know, Giannis and the Bucks are phenomenal. They have the best record in the NBA. They were dominating the NBA. The Raptors lost Kawhi Leonard, but they were still number two in the Eastern Conference. Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat were doing great. They were the number five seed, a higher seed than his former team, the Philadelphia 76ers. The 76ers, maybe the, maybe the Heat were the fourth seed. I can't remember right now. I think they're actually for the fourth seed because the 76ers were two below 
with the six seed and the six seed. I mean, the 76ers had this incredible roster on paper, and they just were not able, they haven't been able to put it together all year. Uh, Boston was interesting. The Boston Celtics were the third ranked seed in the standings in the Eastern Conference. They have a point guard I love, Kemba Walker. They're, I love their coach, Brad Stevens. I mean, man, I, I hope that the NBA season gets to finish because the NBA had so many incredible storylines going on. And uh, I just hope we get to see the season finished, man. I really do. Um, honestly, I have no idea what to expect at this point. I, I don't even know when the world's going to go back to normal. Everything seems wrong and off. Um, but I just hope that we get to see the rest of the NBA season. I, I, I'm not hopeful. I have no idea. Um, but what was going on in the NBA right as the season came to a halt because of you know, the, the thing going around, uh, it was going so well, so interesting, and just, just ramping up when the year had to be uh, postponed. And so I hope we get the end of the NBA season. I think it'd be phenomenal. Okay, Logan writes in. Logan says, Hey, bud. Writing into the uh, Zach Shack to pick your... <laughs> I'm going to restart this. Logan writes in and says, Hey, bud. Writing into the Zach... Uh, the... I can't even... I love this. I... This is so awesome. It's so funny. Why can't my phone, by the way? My phone never turns... Okay, Logan writes in. I'm going to try this for a third time. Logan says, Hey, bud, writing into the Zach Shack to pick your brain, your great brain once again. I, I, No, no, no. Fourth time around, I'm going to land this, okay? This is difficult. I don't know why. Logan says, Hey, bud, writing into the Zach Shack to pick your great brain once again. Nailed it! Finally, I got that sentence down. He says... <laughs> So Donald Parham has been talked about recently as an NFL caliber talent. He's a tight end for the Dallas Renegades in the XFL. I've heard his name being tossed around into a few different scenarios. Tight end is an obvious gap in the Jaguars roster. Loaded with picks, we could very well look for a tight end in the draft. But I would like to see Parham step down in here. What do you think? Could Donald Parham end up with the, in Jacksonville? Would he fit into our system? Could you see him and Minshew finding a rhythm together and being successful? Yeah, Donald Parham could work with the Jaguars. I'd love to see him work with Minshew. Um, I don't think there's a single NFL team that could not find a spot for Donald Parham at this opportunity. You know, he's six foot eight. He's super fast. He's a great receiving tight end, especially now that the NFL CBA has changed roster limits. You can have a couple more players. Um, it is important, though. Any NFL team that brings in Donald Parham needs to understand He's not a blocking tight end. He's not a guy you should expect to be great and helpful in the running game. If he is, hey, that's a cool bonus. But the reason why you bring in Donald Parham is because he's an incredibly gifted receiver. And linebackers simply cannot cover him. He's a mismatch. He's six foot eight. He's lightning quick. Uh, Donald Parham is a great receiving tight end, kind of like Antonio Gates, kind of like Jimmy Graham. Uh, and that's how you got to use him. But he will play somewhere in the NFL. I just would be shocked if Donald Parham was not an NFL tight end this fall. Uh, he's just too physically gifted for an NFL team not to find him and see the value he can bring. Okay, with your eyeballs, writes in. It's not really a question. It's a comment. He says, not a question, but a comment. People have been saying Brady doesn't fit the system of Bruce Arians, which is a chuck it downfield system. I'd just like to point out that when the GOAT comes to your team, you change your offense to fit him, not the other way around. An example is Peyton Manning going to the Broncos and their offense changing to fit him. Another is Coach O and LSU going from a power run offense to the spread that took them to a championship. You adjust to greatness. You don't make greatness adjust to you. 
Yeah, I love this, man. I could not agree more with you with your eyeballs. Uh, first of all, if LeBron James comes to your basketball team, you do what LeBron James wants. If Tom Brady comes to your football team, you do what Tom Brady wants, and you build a team to suit the needs and the strengths and the skill set of that player, said Tom Brady, said LeBron James. The best and brightest coaches in any sport adapt what they do to fit the needs of their players. Uh, Bruce Arians is not going to try to change Tom Brady. He's going to build an offense around the strengths of Tom Brady. I cannot wait to dive into the film because as much as, yeah, like we think Tom Brady isn't a chuck at quarterback, but part of that's because he hasn't had a receiver like Mike Evans who could win outside for like four or five years. We've been waiting and waiting and waiting for Tom Brady to have a number one. I'm not talking about Rob Gronkowski as a tight end. Yeah, Rob Gronkowski was great. I'm talking... Tom Brady finally has an, a, dare I say, Randy Moss-style receiver, a guy who can win jump balls on the outside on fade balls running verticals. He, that's what he has in Mike Evans. Tom Brady has like a super human receiving weapon with Mike Evans in Tampa Bay. He can just throw up jump balls down the sideline. He hasn't had that for years in New England. So the belief that Tom Brady can't throw the ball vertically is kind of helped by the fact that he hasn't had a vertical deep threat for years in New England. It's a little bit of both. Uh, but yeah, the, the Buccaneers are not going to force Tom Brady to do things he's not good at. They're going to adapt their system to Tom Brady with your eyeballs is completely right. Okay, Connor writes in, come on. Why does this always happen? I'm going to put my screen lock on so it doesn't keep changing. My phone keeps changing calibration. It drives me nuts. Connor writes in, he says, hey, Zach, hope this comment finds you in good health with the beer bug going around. Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. We're going to call it, remember that stupid segment where we call it television remote? I cannot believe people like that, by the way. I, I've gotten Instagram messages from people saying, you know, I, I'm so sorry, TV, bug, TV remote's going around and hurting people. <laughs> what a stupid, ridiculous thing. It was just an impromptu bad decision. Um, <laughs> Connor writes in, he says, I found your content through the XFL. I'm British, and my first ever taste of American football was this year's Super Bowl, and I was instantly hooked. I was using the XFL to help get into the sport and keep my desire of wanting to learn more going through the offseason. So my question to you is, what other tips do you have for a newbie like me to get into American football? I love this question. I will tell you, I had an opposite uh, experience recently where I got into Formula One recently. Formula One is my new passion and love. And the way I learned about Formula One was by watching documentary-style footage. The biggest thing for me was the Netflix show Drive to Survive. So here's what I recommend for you. If you want to get into learning football, watch football documentaries. The best one you can possibly watch, honestly, is Amazon Prime's All or Nothing. Uh, the older seasons are even better than the most recent one with the Philadelphia Eagles. But if you want to learn about any new sport, again, documentary-style filmmaking, documentary-style storytelling is the best way to learn about a new sport. And uh, so go watch Amazon Prime. Go watch All or Nothing. It's great. And, uh, again, if you want to learn about a new sport, go watch documentary-style stuff. Uh, Connor, go watch Amazon Prime's All or Nothing. It'll change your life. You'll learn a lot, especially if you're stuck at home right now. Uh, it, it's, it's a phenomenal show. You'll learn a lot more about football. And then just start doing a lot of research on your own, learning about the rules, learning about the nuances. Uh, I love the nerdy nuances of football. I uh, hope you enjoy my videos. My, I think my film analysis videos are phenomenal for learning about the game of football and some of the nuances of the quarterback position especially. Um, but Connor, thank you for your support. You're probably a newer subscriber than if you just discovered football in uh, the Super Bowl. So Connor, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for supporting me 
And uh, thank you for your question. The final question of the day is from Caleb. Caleb writes in, he says, Hey, Zach, Caleb here. If you could cover one sport other than football, what would it be? Personally, I would cover European soccer because it's my favorite sport to play. But I'm curious to see what your answer would be. Um, The number one sport I want to branch out and cover other than football. If I had only two sports I could cover, it would actually be American football and Formula One racing. I have become completely obsessed with Formula One. I just think it's the coolest sport. I, I like oh, look, American football is my first love. I love the quarterback position. The very close second is, is Formula One racing. I am so into it. I February was a brutal month in the NFL because there just was nothing going on. I mean, some of the leading stories were like, is Tom Brady going to go to... Is he going to replace Jimmy Garoppolo? Is is Tony Romo going to come out of retirement? I was like, these stories are terrible. And so I ended up watching the Netflix show series Drive to Survive about Formula One racing. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so into it. And I, I let me tell you, man, I, I've been obsessed with Formula One ever since. My girlfriend makes fun of me because all I do is watch, like, I either am working on strong opinion sports or watching Formula One. Either I've been watching full races on my phone, literally, like, I watched the 2017 uh, Azerbaijan, you know, Baku Grand Prix the other day. Like, what the heck is wrong with me? I just love it. I've been watching races. I've been watching nerdy breakdowns, explaining the rules, watching YouTube videos, documentaries, reading articles, learning about downforce, hard tires versus soft tires versus medium tires, dirty air, how the points are scored. Nothing has grabbed me the way Formula One has recently. Nothing in years has made me this excited like for me, it's football and Formula One, and that's all I really care about right now. I'm so into Formula One. Um, I'm just obsessed. It's the peak of engineering. I watched, you know, I, I've been watching videos. People like make videos comparing NASCAR to Formula One. It's, how does anybody compare the two? Like Formula One is so much the superior. It's the it's the pinnacle of engineering for a car. I just am so obsessed. They're so fast. They corner so quickly. They're so low to the ground. I mean, like, <laughs> if you race a NASCAR and a Formula One car, it's not, it's literally a joke. Formula One runs away laughing going at, around a corner at 200 miles an hour while, while a NASCAR, like, blows in the wind and falls over. I mean, it's just, oh, my gosh. Um, people just don't get it. The, the G-forces it takes to drive a Formula One car. These guys are athletes. These guys are really strong, tough athletes, the G-forces on your body, the literal strength it takes to put the brakes on and slow down a car. I mean, you're going from top speed, hundreds of miles an hour, 200 miles an hour, you slow down all the way to make a turn, you turn at full speed. It's just like, I am so into it. I'm just gushing. I I know I sound like a crazy man. I love it. Um, You know, one of the things I want, when the world comes back to normal, hopefully someday, I want to go go go-kart racing. I want to get into that. I think it'd be really fun. Um, and I want to do a couple, a, a whole episode of Strong Opinion Sports, probably in a week or two. Once you know, I, I, people want football. I got to give people football for a time, for the time being. But I really want to make a, a, a Strong Opinion Sports episode entirely dedicated to Formula One, to talking about the things I've learned, to sharing my passion, just my excitement, some of the problems I have with Formula One because there are definitely problems. Um, and, and Formula One has great stories. You know, one of my favorite movies of all time is the Ron Howard movie Rush. It's got it's about Nikki Lauda versus James Hunt in the 1976 uh, Formula One championship and that, the race to see who wins. And, uh, you know, it's got uh, Chris Hemsworth, who's phenomenal. 
Um, and it's it's been one of my favorite movies of all time for years because I just it's undeniably a great story. Nikki Lauda, James Hunt, they're complete opposite approaches to life. Uh, but since getting obsessed with Formula One, I actually watched it again the other day and just was like had a new lens and new perspective on Rush. And I was like, man, what a phenomenal movie. It just gets me so excited. I watch it with a completely new appreciation. And uh I'm 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 utterly obsessed with Formula One. I love it so much. And again, I, I just it actually infuriates me. People like NASCAR is awful. I, I grew up with in America, the only option was NASCAR, and it's just NASCAR. Like I I get that NASCAR has some nerdy nuance. There's more than just turning left. There's a lot of other stuff, but the variables in Formula One are like there's a thousand more variables in Formula One than there is in NASCAR. Not to mention it's just a higher level engineering. It's a higher level performance. It's the fastest, best cars in the entire world. There's a video of uh, Monza where the Monza is in Italy. It's a it's a track, and uh, you see like regular. So there's a regular street car is one thing. There's there's a GT racing, which is like cars that will blow your regular car that you can drive a street illegal out of the water. And so there's GT cars going around Monza, like this is turn. And like, man, those cars are going pretty fast. And then you do a side-by-side of a Formula One car next to a GT car. And like, it looks like the GT car is moving in slow motion. The Formula One goes, bing, 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 just gone. You're like, oh my God. It's like a rocket. You're literally a guy strapped into a rocket going hundreds of miles an hour around corners. Just, oh, I I am so, I'm ranting. I'm raving. I probably sound like an insane person, but I'm just so... So into Formula One racing. It makes me so excited. I just love it. I just really, really love it. Um, it's become my new favorite sport next to football. And, uh, and I'm even more excited for the new rules to come out in 2021. And so, guys, that's all I have. That's, I just am so excited about Formula One. I think it's, it's my new favorite love uh, in the world of sports. Uh, guys, that's all I have for today. Thank you so very much for tuning in. I want to end the show with this. Four years ago, my younger brother took his life. And I learned two really painful lessons. Number one is that if you're struggling, please go get help. Uh, my younger brother committed suicide, didn't tell anybody he was having a hard time. One day I came home and he was dead on the floor. And nobody knew he was struggling. Nobody knew he was having a hard time. And so I encourage you, if you're struggling, go get help. Go seek a professional. Go talk to a parent, a counselor, anybody in authority. Just do not suffer in silence. Uh, my brother took his life and nobody knew he was having a hard time. And if you have nobody to talk to, if there really is nobody you can go to for help, uh, you can call the suicide hotline, which is one 800 The other painful lesson I learned when my brother died is that uh, you got to make sure that people in your life know how much you care about them. Make sure they know that you're there for them if they are struggling. Uh, The things I regret in life are not telling my brother that I loved him more, not making it clear to him that he could come talk to me when he was having a hard time. I just encourage you, if, if you're out there, make sure the people in your life know you love them. Give them a hug. Make sure they're loved. Make sure they're cared for. And make sure that they know that they can come talk to you if they're having a hard time. Uh, if you're struggling, go get help. Make sure you, the people in your life know how much you care about them. I want to end the show today with a Jim Carrey quote. Uh, it, it's it's really interesting. It's uh, my kind of new, uh, it's something that's really helped my life recently. He says, Jim Carrey said this, I believe depression is legitimate, but I also believe that if you don't exercise, eat nutritious food, get sunlight, get enough sleep, consume positive material, and surround yourself with support, then you aren't giving yourself a fighting chance. Depression is a real thing, but man, give yourself a fighting chance. Do the things it takes to enjoy life. Uh, hope you're having a great day. I know that everyone is really struggling. The world is just kind of at a standstill right now. 
just want to say thank you so much for tuning in. I love you guys. I appreciate you guys. Bam, we are done.